been doing a series called One Another, and uh, it started off with Pastor Jason talking about honoring one another and creating a culture of honor. <clears throat> when you do that, it's very helpful to those around you because they're going to learn that you appreciate them and you value them and you honor them no matter what they go through. So it produces a stability. And in our house here, that's what you want to have. You want to have a culture of honor. We moved on from that as we recognized that people are made in the image and likeness of God, that we stop passing judgment on one another. And we do that because we don't know where people are in their journey, and we don't know what they're going through. And all of us go through stuff, and we're not finished yet. You know, when we were doing construction here or in Orleans or even in Cornwall, we recognized that in the construction phase, things can look pretty chaotic. And yet that's not the finished product. And that's the same in your life and my life. And so we don't want to pass judgment on one another. When we're in relationship with one another, we can then challenge one another, and that's always a good thing. In week three, we went into instructing one another which are the foundations of biblical discipleship, line upon line, precept upon precept. We began to build into one another what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to walk in the kingdom and begin to understand what it is that are the foundational principles that we build our lives upon. In week four, we talked about accepting one another or welcoming one another and how important that was for us to learn how to even extend forgiveness to one another and uh, reflect on the kingdom life that we now enjoy as we walk together. Week five, harmony with one another. And that's the tension between uh, grace and truth. And so I want you to do something with me. I want you to stand up for just a minute. And I want you to think about all the things that you know as a believer in Christ, all the principles and the studies you've done, the truths that you hold on to, and I want you to put them all in your left hand. Just close your left hand and just keep it closed. In that moment, the scripture that I want you to be cognizant of is John 1:17. The law came through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In your hand, you hold the truths that you live by based on God's word and based on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You hold those. Keep your hand tight. And with your other hand, I want you to shake the hand of someone that's around you. Just reach out and shake a hand. But don't let go of the fist. You don't have to hold it up. You just need to hold it tight. That's the tension of holding on to the things that we cherish as believers in Christ while we extend a hand of grace to people all around us who may or may not know him. And when you do that, you never have to compromise what you believe. I saw something the other day. It really caught my fancy. And it was this wild picture of a young person, nose rings, hair, all kinds of stuff, wild colors. And the caption was, if you don't like the way you were born, you need to be born again. And I just thought, that's a truth I'll hold in my hand while I extend a hand of grace to other people. You may be seated. 
So harmony with one another means you don't have to compromise, but you do want to be grace-filled as, as disciples of Christ and reach out to people. And so we do that over and over and over again in our lives. Today I have the opportunity then to talk about loving one another. And I want to start off with just a little bit of a testimony, because most of you know a majority of our story, but when I was younger, I kept searching in all the wrong places. And how do you know that the wrong places will be when you get to the destiny, you're still wanting? And that's what happened in my life, whether it was hitchhiking around the world for over a year and just trying to see all the different places in Canada, the States, Europe, North Africa, just off I went. And somewhere along the line, it was like, I saw that everybody everywhere does basically the same thing. Get up and go to work and do their thing and enjoy the weekends and all of that. I came back, was involved in karate for over six years. Uh, I loved it, enjoyed it, got my black belt, was just moving along. And still, it was like, man, this isn't it. Got involved in some forms of mysticism, uh, extreme diet, Outward success, yes. Inward turmoil, absolutely. But you would never know it looking at me. You would just think, man, this guy's traveled, and he's been a karate teacher, and he's been all this. But inwardly, just not together. And Joyce and I were married at that time for about five years, had two children, and everything collapsed. We separated, went our separate ways. And here's where loving one another comes in. Unbeknownst to me, I was in the publishing industry, and that was my college training, and I loved it. And I went to one of my accounts, and the gentleman, as we're talking and doing the business part of it, at the end, he said, Barry, would you like to come to a men's retreat? And I thought, that's the last thing I want to do. I said, no. Time goes on. He asked me a second time. I said, no. Third time. I said, no. How many know that if you're persistent, you will get a yes somewhere? And the fourth time, here's what's in my head. If I don't say yes this time, I'm going to probably lose this account. And it's a really good account. And I'm making good bucks from this account. So I'm going to say yes. I just want you to know, God knows how to set traps for you and for me. But it was the best trap ever. So he extended a hand of grace to me, and he was willing to love me in an unlovable state that I was in, and to believe God that as they prayed, all of those that would attend that particular retreat, God would get a hold of their hearts. Joyce and I were coming here this morning, and we found out that there's some girls from this congregation that are in Paris this weekend, and they prayed for us already. How many know there are lots of people praying for us, praying for you, praying for me, people holding us up before the Lord and saying, Father, do in them exactly what they need. And so, lo and behold, I go to this retreat weekend, and they hand me a Bible at the end, a New Testament, and ask me to start reading it on my own. And as I start to read the scriptures, the scriptures start reading me. And this incredible divine reaction is taking place. 
between the truth of God's word and the uncertainty of my heart. But I am grateful for Ray Dolan. I'm grateful for this man in the middle of his business day wanted to love me with the love of Christ when I least expected it. I wasn't going to church. That was in the past. And yet here was God still looking after me, coming after me. And so I met Jesus on this weekend in the form of the people that were gathered. Because at the very end of the weekend, a whole crowd of people came through the back door singing and rejoicing, and we all were hugging one another and loving on one another. And instantly, I understood that God was loving me through them. But I didn't have a strong relationship with God at that point. That wasn't and didn't happen until I started reading the scriptures. And for a month, I just began to read through God's word from Matthew to Revelation, Matthew to Revelation. I just kept reading it, saying, Lord, show yourself to me. Show yourself to me. And guess what he did? He showed himself to me. And I saw him in the person of his son. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God began to break all the things in my heart that needed to be broken so that he could begin the healing process. And at the end of that month, I just said, okay, I give up. I just, I give up. The weight of everything I've been going through is just too heavy. I give up, and I turn my life over to you. And that was 1975. We're now in 2023, and I want you to know it's just getting gooder and gooder. He continues to reveal himself, and he does it through his word and by his spirit. He does it in the midst of his people. He does it through business people who are willing to reach out a hand of grace and never compromise what they believe. And God uses them to touch others because we start to see the love of God at work in people. And it is a little unsettling at the first when you see it. But loving one another is one of those things in our journey that needs to be at the forefront of who we are. And let's talk today a little bit about Jesus facing the cross, but he uses the time just before he goes to the cross to talk to the disciples of what it means to understand the depth and the love of God that he has for them. He's been teaching them now for three years. They're in Caesarea Philippi. They're turning to go to Jerusalem. And all of us know that Jesus taught them from John 3 that for God so loved the world. When you watch the news at night, you can say to yourself, how can God love this mess? But he does. He never compromises, but he always reaches out his hand. It's an outreach that's taking place all the time. And so the disciples remember a message that he preached in the synagogue of Capernaum, where the headquarters of his ministry was, right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And let's read together. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 6. I'm going to use my phone here so I can see it in the dark. John chapter 6, starting at verse 51. I am the living bread, Jesus says, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Think about it. They're listening, and all of a sudden, all those that are gathered hear that expression. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Leviticus 7 says, Whoever eats blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. Leviticus 17 says, If you eat blood, I will set my face against the one who does, and even cut them off. So you begin to realize they have an obstacle in front of them. Jesus is saying what he's saying. They're following him, and now it looks like he's saying something that's very challenging. And so in verse 53, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So throughout the Old Testament, they're all types leading to the fulfillment in the person of Christ. But look what the next verse says. Verse 59, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Great consternation amongst all of them. His message is shocking them. It's offending them. And as faithful Jews, they're adhering to the teachings of Moses. But what they don't understand is that there's a greater than Moses in their midst. Prophecies being unfolded. They're starting to hear something that they have not heard in the past. And Holy Spirit is at work. This greater than Moses is in the midst of them. And he is saying to them, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. You're hearing the sound, but you're not processing it right. And so in verse 60 to 69, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? In your journey as a Christian, there are going to be a lot of things that you'll learn in God's word that will be hard to process. Be difficult to work through. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So when you're reading the scriptures or you're hearing the scriptures being declared, it's spiritual life flowing into your own spirit to strengthen you and enable you. But there are some of you, Jesus says in verse 64, who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So I couldn't hear God in the church. 
I couldn't hear God in day-to-day life. But when that businessman extended a hand of grace to me and started to invite me, God was at work. But I didn't understand that God was at work. And so I go to the retreat with a certain motive in my heart, and God has another motive. And while I'm there, Holy Spirit is working, and the words that are being proclaimed through the Scriptures are doing something in my spirit that nothing else could do. Not the travel, not the entertainment, not the karate, not anything like that, because we're designed for God. We're made in His image and in His likeness. And he's a father who is seeking all of his children to gather unto him. But there's a process in how we do that. And so Jesus is challenging them as they're there. And he said, that's why I told you no one can come unless the father starts to draw. And so father was drawing me as a wayward son, as a child that was out of sync with him. And uh, parents, if you're believing God for your kids... I just want you to stay in faith believing. Because I remember my mom and dad, when I finally came to faith in Christ and had the privilege of leading them to Christ, it was unbelievable what happened in their hearts. Because they were saying, like my dad especially, he was saying to me, son, why don't you do something meaningful in your life? You just go from one thing to another. Why don't you stick it out and do something that'll bring benefit to your life? And so... I said, Dad, I found it. It's the person of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live for him the rest of my life. And he rolled his eyes. Why? Because he had the history of my life in the past, and he was focused in on that rather than what the Father was doing in my life for the future. And my mother was the same, and she just wasn't sure. I was in some kind of a cult and, and, you know, good Irish Catholic woman that she was, She was going to check it out. But as I'm sharing my testimony with them, I think Holy Spirit dropped a truth in their heart that you love your children and I love your children more. And I'm going to draw your children, not just to me, but back to you. And he did. After this, you ever want to know what 666 means? You're in John 6, 66. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. No longer walked. As a pastor, I've watched that happen in the church over the years. I've watched people walking close to Christ, God doing things wonderful in their lives, and then at some point, an offense comes or a challenging portion of Scripture comes, or something. Somebody offends them. Something happens, and they no longer walk with him. It's a challenge. But God's Word works when you put it to work. And it works in you to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. And so... Many of these disciples at this stage in their journey, they're absolutely shaken by what has taken place. He's talking about drinking his blood. He's talking about eating his flesh. This is bizarre. And they walk away from him. But if you keep going in the story, Jesus says in verse 70, did did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. Remember, he's holding on. 
as he's extending his hand. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the twelve, was going to betray him. You've heard me say it before, 30,000 hours they spent with Jesus. They heard every message. They saw every miracle, every action that Jesus performed. They were witness to that. And Judas was a witness to that. But he never let it change his heart. He didn't believe it in his mind because his mind was fixed on other things. And yes, he was in the company of Jesus, but he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a disciple that allowed the instructing to take place, the loving one another, all of those. He had another agenda at work within him. And that's what caused him to veer off track. And you know and I know that before someone goes down a, a path that's destructive, they make a left turn somewhere and uh, they're off course. And you can see it in their lives. I was reading the story of Charles Spurgeon the other day. And he was moving from one location to another and it was cold and there was snow falling and he just wanted to get warm. And he walked into a little Methodist church. And when he walked into the church, there weren't many people there, so he stood out. And the preacher said, I want you to turn to Isaiah 45, 22. And here's what the preacher said. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. That one portion of Scripture impacted the heart and the mind and the life of a young 17-year-old man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. And he went on to become one of the, they called him the Prince of Preachers, one of the greatest ministers of the gospel that the world has ever known. Literally tens of thousands of people every Sunday would simply come to hear him preach God's word had an amazing impact over his lifetime. But one scripture stopped him in his tracks. He's coming into the building to get warm, and God is setting a trap for him to draw him to himself. And at that moment, tears started rolling down Charles's face, and he realized, God, you're, you're, you're too good. You're too wonderful. I'm looking for heat for my body, but you're warming my spirit. You're bringing life to me that I didn't know a moment ago when I walked through the doors of this church. So loving one another is God at work in our midst, bringing us to himself, baptizing us in his love. Because Joyce and I had conversations about this. Her journey was a little more complicated than mine, and getting to know the love of God was a little bit more of a challenge for her than it was for me. But when I opened my heart to the Lord, when I looked back over all the things that my life meant, all the mess that I'd made, when I knelt down and just said, Lord, I yield, I received a download of the love of God. And then over the next few years, as we began to grow together and restore our past and do all of those things, I started to stumble into the will of God more and more and more. 
but I also stumbled out of the will of God too. And I realized that his love never changed. He was constant. Whether I was doing good things or whether I was doing not so good things, his love for me never changed. It was unconditional. And so that's where love never fails comes from around the Life Center. Just that recognition that Father loves you with an eternal love, an unfailing love, and he is going to be with you every step of the way as you go through your journey in life. So once I knew that I was deeply loved by God, it was easy for me to reach out in love to others because I knew where I came from, and I knew that God cleansed my life, and he could do the same in the lives of others. And so in John 6, 54, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's a promise that God gave to you and to me. So I want you to take out your emblems. We know that the bread that's on the top represents the body. And we know that the wine represents his blood. And the church is called to commemorate this. Jesus said, whenever you do this, each time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. The remembrance that he loved us first while we were yet sinners, he loved us. And that he was going to demonstrate the definition of love that is totally different from the definition that the world gives to love. And that is that he was going to go to a cross, and he was going to lay himself on the cross, and he was going to take upon himself the sin and the penalty of sin, and he was going to die on the cross, and he was going to extend to us his righteousness. It's going to be the great exchange that would take place. So whenever you think of what God thinks about sin, you look at the cross, but you also want to know, God, what do you think about love? And he says, it's not a mushy feeling. It's not a Valentine's card that we send to one another. We said it a moment ago, for God so loved the world by demonstrating it, by sending his son to die on a cross for those who believe. And so I want you to take up the piece of bread. And Father, we want to say thank you that the church is a representation of the body of Christ that work together, loving one another and reaching out to a broken world. Father, thank you that in the life of your son, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is being given for you. Take it and eat it. And as you do, do it in remembrance of me. So let's partake together. Think about the disciples sitting there. They're hearing what he's saying now, and they're able to put the messages together. They're able now to connect the dots. It's what we call an aha moment. It's, oh, that's what you meant. I continued to follow you, but I didn't fully understand. But now I'm starting to see what it is that you're saying. And then as supper was finished, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he looked up to heaven. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is going to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take it, drink it, 
And as you do, and as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. And so let's drink together. We're affirming a new covenant that we love one another just as I have loved you, Jesus said. You're also to love one another. He's calling his disciples today, as he has done through the centuries, to love one another, to respect one another, to honor one another, to forgive one another, to demonstrate that we are very, very unique as a people group in all the earth. John 13.35 says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we're all different. We're all unique. But in essence, we are children of God, male and female, young and old, rich and poor, and yet the common denominator in our midst is the person of Jesus Christ. And we honored him today, and we continue to honor him. And he reminds us, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Now, our opportunity is to say to the globe around us, if you see the church, you'll see Jesus. Now, you and I have to rise to that occasion and to say, Lord, I want to represent you well. I want to be an authentic ambassador every single day. I want to be like that man that Barry talked about where in his office he took a moment being led by the Spirit of God to reach out to a young man that he could see in my eyes that I was lost, that I was broken, but Jesus could repair my life. And he was willing to extend a hand of grace to me. We need to be those kind of people in the day in which we live. Let's commit ourselves to loving one another so that people will see Jesus at work in our midst. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. Let's all stand together. All through church history, creeds were used to help people remember the truths that they believed. And many of us in our early days used to recite the Apostles' Creed. It was a distilling of the truths of the scriptures so that the congregations could affirm what they believed. And as they affirmed it together, they grew closer together. And they understood that this is why we have gathered. We have gathered unto him based on the revelation of his word, and we're going to be a people that will be a light in the darkness. So let's, you'll see it come up on the screen. Let's read this out loud together, and let's affirm together that these are the truths that you and I understand and walk in every single day. Let's begin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Put your hand over your heart. Father, today we want to say thank you that you have joined us together in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we are many-membered, uniquely gifted, and being sent into a culture that desperately needs what we understand and we have to offer. The truth of who you are, Jesus, why you came, and what you've done in us that we want to see be done in others. And so we say, Lord, thank you today for loving us just the way we are, but loving us enough not to leave us the way we are. Thank you for growing us up in Christ. In Jesus' name.